Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Be close, honey, say you're forever mine, and tell me you'll be my lonely valentine. Yeah, I think it was off of, um, ah, what was that, uh, it was just a Tunnel of Love LP, Bruce, kind of a deep cut. It was in one of those Ed Byrne films, remember when Ed, Edward Burns came out with like, you know, he was always like the, the guy on the other side of the tracks, somewhere in New Jersey. Uh, very underrated actor, in my opinion. What the name of those movies? They were good. One of them had John Bon Jovi. Rosie O'Donnell is actually funny in one of those movies, if uh, if memory serves me correct. Uh, I hate to start the show this way. She's the one, the Brothers McMullen, and that may be it. They, maybe there was only two. I thought there was a three, but he played Mickey Fitzpatrick, an Irishman kind of lost you know, I didn't have enough coin to get into New York City, so he's still in Jersey. Uh, but I really like that movie. Brothers McMullen, as a matter of fact, if I remember correctly, also had Jennifer Aniston in the movie. And uh, whoever the knucklehead was who was married to her was cheating on her. How do you cheat on Jennifer Aniston? Unbelievable. But um, anyway, it, it's in one of those two movies where they do play that song right there, El- um not the self-title, because it is obviously from uh, the Tunnel of Love LP, where he broke away from the East Street brand, uh, East Street band, and you know it's. I think he was going through a divorce. It's about all the songs on there. You know, one step up, two steps back, or you know, brilliant disguise, hanging in a bar room, woman ain't looking all that married. Good stuff. You know, if you're alone and depressed tonight, put that on, okay, and at least uh, misery. We'll have a little bit of company. All right, it's good to have you with us. My goodness, after 8 o'clock, Tuesday night. All right, we do it late on Tuesday. The helmets and heels ladies have come. They have done their job. They have now left the building. I'm here tonight till 10. Rest of the week will be 6 to 8, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. You know, Valentine's Day to me is unfortunately... For so many people, it's it's more. I, I think if you were to put put folks on a boat, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a balanced boat. It it would tip, and it would tip severely. I think really to the uh, to the side of uh, uh, of sadness, to the side of underappreciated, 
to the side of, you know, I'm never going to find the one. Uh, the flip side is, you know, flowers and chocolates and all that good stuff, and everyone's really having a good time. The way I've always looked at it is if you love someone, you don't need a day to identify that, right? You don't need this uh, hallmark share-made event uh, for Valentine's Day. You show your love each and every day. For what it's worth, Saturday night was the night. We went to St. Augustine. We avoided the rain. St. Augustine's like New Orleans when it rains, by the way. I mean, it's nuts. And I've seen it. I'm aware of what goes on with hurricanes and stuff like that. But that wasn't the case on Saturday. We had some rain. It, granted, it did come in sideways. But all of a sudden, you know, the the little city that we all love uh, was was underwater. Um so for those who are in love and for those who had the dinner and for those who are going out and doing all that good stuff tonight, congratulations. And I, I hope it is a phenomenal time for you and your partner. It's the other side that concerns me, okay? I'm always for the one who is left out. And it's, it's really not that big of a deal, okay? Just deal with it. Move on. Don't binge eat. Um... I, I don't know. Uh, find something that will pick you up uh, for the remainder of the night and into tomorrow. But, you know, I've always, there's not a lot of holidays. There's not a lot of scenarios where stuff like this happens, right? You have Halloween, you have Thanksgiving, you know, Halloween for the kids, unless you're in college, it's absolutely nuts. I love it. Halloween in college is like, you can't ask for for anything better. You know, Thanksgiving you get with family, you get with friends, the Christmas holiday, you know, Hanukkah, over the New Year's, it's the same deal. And then when you drop other holidays on us, including the summer ones like the 4th of July, again, for the most part, it's about getting with friends, getting with family and having a party. Yet they identify this one all about love and it really makes a lot of people out there feel bad. And I'm just telling you not to let it make you feel bad because it doesn't really have too much of a meaning, Valentine's Day. For instance, next month is a much better holiday, much more, um, you know, a much more important holiday for every reason. That, of course, is St. Patrick's Day. That'll be on the 17th again this year as it is each and every year. And, you know, there's two rules of thumb on St. Patrick's Day. You're either Irish and you go out and you have a great time or you lie and say, that you are Irish, and you go out and have yourself a great time. Let me peek to see with that. Uh, March 17th. Oh, my goodness, it's on a Friday. Oh, whoa. St. Patrick's Day this year on a Friday, and I believe that will be first round of the NCAA College Basketball Tournament, where we'll have 16 games on Thursday. We will have 16 games on Friday. Are you kidding me? St. Patrick's Day this year, and I know it has in years past. I remember being at Florida State, and we were on spring break, and St. Patrick's Day would fall uh, during the NCAA tournament, but it just seems like as of late, we've missed it uh, for one reason or another. That's good news because, of course, the players will be the week prior to that. We're less than 30 days away from the Players' Championship. You see, coming up this Thursday, Tiger Woods. His threesome includes Rory McIlroy and JT, Justin Thomas. So Woods is going to give it a go for the first time since he tried 
you know, the three majors a year ago, it, it did not come with really any success at all for Tiger Woods. If, if you look at what he did in 2022, Tiger Woods, um, you know, this will be his first event since the 150th Open Championship in St. Andrews. Okay, at the age of 47, he is the host. And we all remember that a few years ago, this is where he had that brutal car accident. He was there, you know, in Pacific Palisades when all of this actually did happen. And he was forced to obviously um, withdraw from that particular event. He couldn't even walk. And, you know, some of the rumors that have gone along ever since about what really happened to the lower part of his leg uh, is enough to make you want to spit up your dinner. It's absolutely brutal. So it was 2021 when he had the major leg injury, but this becomes the first non-major that Tiger Woods is going to play in since the 2020 Zozo. All right. Last year, for those of you who may have forgotten, he played in just nine competitive rounds. He finished 47th at the Masters. He withdrew from the PGA Championship after the third round, and he ended up missing the cut at the 150th Open. That was out in St. Andrews. So, Tiger, at the age of 47, what can he give you now? Probably not, uh, you know, probably not anywhere near um, what I think even the biggest fam would expect. But just knowing his drive, knowing his competitiveness – you put him in a group with Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas, you know the Tiger's going to do everything in his power to compete massively. And 19 of the top 20 golfers, as far as the world golf rankings are concerned, they are playing this weekend. So, you know, I listen, San Diego was fun. Pebble, nasty weather was fun. Last week at the... Waste Management, Phoenix Open, always a blast uh, in in Arizona. Now we roll into Los Angeles, and bam, you know, right after that, it's heading our way, or soon to head our way, and uh, and grab the Southern Swing, which obviously has its stop through Ponte Vedra. All right, we got a lot to do tonight. Six four one ten ten, always the best way for you to join us and to do so on the text line. Uh, single ladies out there. Blow us up on the text line. We'll, we'll try to cheer you up. JJ's not here today, so th- there goes a massive amount of cheer because he's not here, okay? But he's here in spirit. Dylan, Denmark is here tonight. If you fought, We're 10 minutes into the program. If, if you, are you grabbing a couple of winks over there? I know that... Negative, not yet. This thing is boring, and I admit it. That that's why I got to turn down the air conditioner in here because if not, I'll fall asleep. Yeah. What's up with the hair? You got the haircut, ears lowered a little yeah, bit? Yeah, hair gets, you know, my hair grows fast. Sister cut over the weekend. Looks uh, smooth. Yeah, I had to go to a uh, recruiting fair yesterday for, uh, I'm a high school coach, so we had to talk to a couple of college coaches, so try to look good a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, other than that, pretty normal. All right. Uh, Valentine's Day was normal day. Normal day for you? Yep. Was up okay. at school. You don't have anything late planned tonight at 10 Negative. o'clock? Okay. Well, I got Hacker Show at 10 o'clock. So that's that right. Oh, man, you'll be here till midnight. Okay. Yep, that's right. So you got that. That's right. Hacker coming up at uh, at 10. And, uh, of course, we'll be back uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And during our normally scheduled program, 
which will be from 6 to 8. All right, we got a lot to cover tonight. A lot of changes in the NFL. Coaches coming, quarterbacks leaving, other storylines. And, you know, on this Valentine's Day, the Twitter streets got nasty. Okay? I thought I grew up in some tough streets of Boston. I've seen some tough streets over the years. Uh, Thankfully, now that's no longer the case, Uh, even though... Uh, being in the the wonderful outskirts of Bartram and close to Nocatee and and A1A and Ponte Vedra and even if you go the other way through the 210 Mafia and hit Jillington Creek, uh, it's nice. It's mellow. It's bedroom-ish, if you will. The Twitter streets today were nasty, okay? A lot of bloodshed on this... Um, Valentine's Day. Um, the the tweet by Juju Smith Schuster is one of the greatest onslaughts I have ever seen. It is just priceless. I mean, it it is a mic. It's more than a mic drop. It's it's like a Titanic. It's like the Titanic sinking, and. You know, I, and I, if you haven't heard, I'm going to get to it because there's been response now. A.J. Brown has responded. Patrick Mahomes has responded. Patrick Mahomes' wife all of a sudden is popping off again, even though I asked about her last night. I, I feel like I need to double down a little bit tonight because, you know, we talk about these situations. Here I am feeling for the single ladies. And, you know, my opinion last night was leave her out of it. She's the wife. I understand she's annoying as hell, but she's the wife, and she should not be brought into it. A lot of people like, Blue, I follow her on Instagram, or I follow her on this, and you wouldn't believe what she does. Well, she popped off again today, and it really is amazing. I mean, she is absolutely asking for it because on these streets, anything goes, and they're not going to go up and say things directly to her, which is a good thing. But they're certainly going to take shots at her. And it's really unfortunate to see the significance of how deep people will go to express that much hatred. I've always been one who believes that if you really have that in you and you're really going to those depths, you must be a miserable person yourself. I, I understand having some fun. And I also understand how vicious Twitter can be. I learned last week with the Trevor Lawrence love letter. I was trying to have a little bit of fun with Generation Z, and I came out and said, Generation Z, since you won't be able to make it to the second paragraph, um, you should have someone, or I can't remember exactly what I tweeted out, but you, you should read this because it's phenomenal. You said Gen Z wouldn't get past the second paragraph. Yeah. That was exactly what you said. That's yeah. exactly what I said. And that was very true. Right. But, and I, yes, it, it was true, but I was trying to be, I was trying to be funny. It, it, it was. It, it was a failed, it, it was a failed attempt at humor. And there are people in that category, okay? There are people that really took that personally. And I was, I was surprised by it because I stereotyped a group and you can stereotype the boomers, and you could stereotype Generation X, and you could do it anything you want through millennial. I mean, but all of a sudden, the response is like, 
Shut up, you fat. You know what? Um, you're a has been. You're old. You uh, and it's just like wow. I'm trying to have some fun, and these people are coming back, telling me that I am irrelevant. I've got one foot in the grave. Um, I've never seen uh, a, a plus size meal that I haven't completely finished, and it's just like okay, I get it. And by the way, I have thin. I have thick skin. I can. I can handle it. It's not a problem. I, I didn't think that it would come to me in this fashion because I thought people would look at it as humor, but obviously that was not the case. Well, back to Brittany Mahomes. She's just setting herself up for this onslaught. She knows that people are going to be locked in an office all day at a job that they hate, and... You know, they're going to be coming home, unfortunately, to a wife or a girlfriend that they probably do not love anymore. And the kids are driving them crazy. And they're trying to put together, you know, a week-to-week situation where you can survive because of how bad our economy is. Because of just how bad. I mean, ask yourself this. Are you in a better place right now this year than you were a year ago? Are you in a better place right here tonight on Valentine's Day than you were two years ago? Are you in a better place tonight on Valentine's evening than you were three years ago? Ask yourself that question. Okay, that, that's personal. That's you. But ask it. In for a lot of people, it's no. Things are going downhill. Okay? There's a lot of problems in our country, and you're upset about it. And when someone gives you that opportunity to respond, you're going to crush them. And they are getting crushed. Again, that's why these Twitter streets right now are absolutely brutal. One thing as well that I really want to talk about here on the other side, when you get to this tweet uh, by Juju Smith-Schuster, I've always felt this way, and I talk about it probably a couple of times a year, but this is a perfect example of it. I don't have a problem with the tweet because I think it's, again, I don't take things as seriously as others uh, by evidence of, of my tweet last week to, gener- uh, uh, to the generation, uh, generational Zs uh, out there. But I've always believed that unless you're Philly, because Philly fans were fighting everywhere. They, they were fighting in Philly. They were fighting in Vegas. Philly would have fought win or lose, okay? Philly's just a bunch of fighters, and, and they're bad people, okay? They, they, they help bring down our great country. They, they really are the, the absolute, when, when you look up the worst-case scenario or the lowest common denominator for a human being, you're going to see a Philadelphia fan. There's no other way to say it. Now, you can go back and forth here with the Gators and the Knolls and the Dogs. Now, it pales in comparison to a, a Philadelphia fan. But 99% of fights begin with the winner, not the loser. And frankly, if it does come from the loser, you can almost see it in one way. I'm not saying I support it. I'm saying you can almost see it. But fights start when you win. And the fan will turn to the loser. The winning fan will turn to the losing fan. 
stick his finger in his face and tell that human being that not only does his team suck, but that you suck as well. And that has been a common practice with fandom forever. And it's never going to change. There are people, and I think it happens when you get a little bit older, because I know I was that way as a youngster. Nowadays, and it's been this way for the last 20 years, there's such a sense of relief when you win. It's a massive exhale. And then it's, you know, for me, typically, if I'm not working a game, it's, you know, let's have some cocktails. Let's have a cigar. Let's enjoy this. But for so many people, that's not enough. What you need to do is get to the fan on the other side and let them have it. Well, in this case now, we're seeing it with players. Where did this come from with Juju Smith-Schuster? Why make a comment like that, you know, like this? And for those who haven't seen it yet, it simply says, um, Valentine's Day, I'll hold you when it matters most. It's brilliant. It really is. It's savvy. It's, it's riding this wave of electricity, you know, two days removed from winning a Super Bowl. But it created a firestorm, started by A.J. Brown, and then others popped in after the fact. So I want to spend a little bit of time on that uh, tonight after our first break. I, I'm just, you know, I'm not here to, to try to solve this problem. It's, it's never going to go away. But why is it? that instead of just being so elated or so satisfied with a win, that's only half the battle. The other side is to take down the fan on the other side. And over the years, I was absolutely guilty of that. I don't do it anymore just because I'm, I'm at the age where stuff like that you know, tends to get away from you um, a little bit. Right, but where did all of that come from, and and why does that continue? Anyway, if you want to comment on that on this Valentine's Day, uh, I would love to hear the reason why that is. And and I know I'm going to get a lot of why well, don't do it, but I know other people who do. Alcohol certainly plays a big factor into that, but there's there's nothing else in life where we do this, right? If you're in sales. And you're both trying to take money from a, a local mom and pop shop. And let's say they only got two grand a month to spend. And you get the 2K. And the person at the other business who's going for that money as well doesn't get the money. Are you pointing the finger in his face, telling him that he sucks, that that you went out and you got the deal, and you know you're getting the uh, the percentage here. You, you know, you, what, regardless of how your deal is, I I don't know, but that that's just one example uh, that that comes to mind. Uh, there's nothing else like it outside of sports, where people that you know, people that you like, people that you associate yourself with. Take it to that extreme. And friendly banter is one thing. But in so many instances, it's anything but. It gets flat out cruel uh, and incredibly vulgar. All right, tonight and every night brought to you by Schmunez uh, Schmunez Vision, our opening comments. And 
You know, I was talking with um, Dr. Neil Schmunez again today because I went in to get my eye uh, repaired, which, by the way, is absolutely fantastic after just one eye drop. Um, already on the mend uh, before I go away to Costa Rica next week. So I uh, appreciate him for doing that. But uh, talking to me about exercising with resistant bands and how one recently snapped and hit this poor lady uh, right in the face and created some damage in her eye. So it's just like anything else, whether you're doing shrubbery, you're doing work outside on your lawn. I know it's a, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. Put on safety goggles or do things along those lines. But if you're working out and doing things with resistant bands and you are exercising, and you're pulling that band towards your face, you better have your face turned to a 90-degree angle, okay? Because you could lose an eye. And yesterday, this nearly happened. Um, Bleeding inside the eye, which you're not always going to see. Of course, if you're bleeding outside of the eye, whether it's from, you know, a a bone that may have cracked or, or just some blood that's actually coming out of your eye socket that you could see but what about the internal bleeding I mean that's something else that could be very serious so just a tip there from Schmunez vision when it comes to doing things like that with an, uh, an elastic band uh, to make sure that you do in fact go out and do it the correct way all right give them a call 299-2906 that's the number 299-2906 or check them out at schmunezvision.com Care you can see, I got a story for you tomorrow night on my eye from Schmunez that I think you'll find pretty interesting, but I'm going to save that for tomorrow right around 620. In the meantime, hit us up on the text line, 641-1010. That is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Great to have you with us right here on this Tuesday. My name is Rick Ballou. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hey, happy Valentine's Day from the truth teller to all of you lovelies making the Phillips Highway stroll. Gonna start getting a little chilly out there. What a beautiful day. I mean, this is nuts. A little chilly early, but man, it was just spectacular this afternoon and blink a couple of times for you know it'll be in the 90s and 100s around here which i have no problem with i'd rather have it that than uh some of the chilly stuff we have gone through all right rick baloo here along with dylan denmark tonight till 10 rest of the week 6 to 8 5405 baloo sadly humor with young people is almost gone they are always looking for something to be offended about well that's that, that, that's very true so true um you know, I, I have no problem blaming folks my age. We were way too soft on youngsters. And divorce is far too routine now, okay? You don't, you don't have um, the structure at home. Uh, that's my fault as well. And I hate it. I hate it for them. But, yeah, um, it's, uh, it, it is really interesting how that is. And, and just the... It's it's not lack of respect for elders. That that would be wrong. It's it's almost as if you, you just do not matter. And, and and it happens in so many phases too. I'm not talking about just respect from 
you know, a teenager or someone who's 20, 21, 22, to someone who's grown up. I'm talking about looking at them as the founding father or someone who has been through it before. And, and, and let me give you the best example that is so prevalent right now. It's scary, okay? I am a huge baseball card collector. When I was really collecting cards in the 70s, if we were going to card shows or card places, you know, when my dad would take me, if you were trying to tell me that I could get cards from like the 1950s or the 1960s, I would walk on my head, okay? I, I, I would, I mean, if you were trying to tell me I could get a Juan Marshall or an, or an Orlando Cepeda or a Frank Howard or a Dick Grote or, you know, Elston Howard or, you know, and, the, and these aren't Hall of Fame guys I'm talking about. I'm talking about average to above average baseball players. And then all of a sudden you start getting to Don Drysdale and Sandy Koufax and Bob Gibson. Well, anyway, to make a long story short, it, that that was like the pinnacle. That was like the best of the best. Well, I go to the Showtime sports cards quite a bit. My buddy Richard Miller, uh, you know, is an owner, and they're, they're a, a sponsor here on our radio station. Yeah, I'm in there, and this was about, you know, this is before football. There was a point during the dog days of last summer where I was kind of reliving my uh, – my childhood a little bit. So, you know, I had a ton of extra pages and I'm in the store one day and all of a sudden I look up and he's got like all of these specials. He's got like the entire set from like the, the mid eighties on. And even though I have those sets, you know, the good, the rookies and stuff I have, I have in a safety deposit box, the ones that are really worth and stuff like that. But I was like, this is, this is a blast. So th- there was like a time um, of like a two-month period that like maybe like one night a week or maybe like one night every week and a half, I would just come home, pour myself three fingers worth of Tullamore do, maybe a couple of times, and open up the damn box and go through all the cards again and take out the really good ones and and, and put them in a book, but I was, like, reliving my childhood. And it was, you know, my girlfriend's downstairs watching TV. I, I got three things on in my bar, but, like, I'm, I'm in my own little world, and I'm having a great time. And I'm talking to Richard Miller about this. I'm like, you see these kids, you know, 7, 8, 9, 12 years old, they could care less about those cards, from the 80s and the 90s. I mean, Pete Rose, Kirby Puckett, Willie Stargell, George Brett, Tony, Pedro Martin. They, to them, this means absolutely nothing. You know what they're more infatuated with is getting a gold version autograph card of Ronald Acuna Jr. And I'm just like, this is so crazy to me. This is so hard for me to expect. And that just shows you how the age groups change from over the years. Where for today's youngsters, it's all about the other youngsters. And it's all about those who are who are doing it right now. But those who paved the way, like Acuna's dad or Tatis's dad or Prince Fielder's dad. I guess the Little Prince is out of it now as well, Guerrero's dad or Biggio's dad, 
uh, who's the other big stud? Uh, Bichette's dad. You know, all these – they don't care about those. No, and I, I don't know the psychology behind it, but when, like, you grew up, you had, like, a profound respect for the guys that came before you. Now, I don't know if it's because of, like, you know, everything is instantaneously, but kids growing up now, they only care and know what's happening right now. So, like, I'm a high school coach for football and track. They only know what the top football guys are right now. Yeah. They don't know anything about the 80s. They couldn't tell you anything about the 90s. I bet you kids can't even tell you right now, teenagers in high school can't even tell you about what happened in the early 2000s. So these kids have such an incredible opinion, and I imagine they do on the king, LeBron James. Yep. Do they even go back and watch Michael Jordan on YouTube? Do they have any idea what that man did? And that's the point I'm trying to make, Dylan, is – I did everything to learn about Ted Williams and Mickey Mantle and Willie Mays. And, and, and again, I'm not ripping them. I'm just saying it has changed so much. And I just don't understand. Teaching people our history is, is something that we all are supposed to do. And I loved learning about it, especially in sports. Then it feel like today that you could talk to these kids about that 96 or 99 team and tell them about the great run that, um, you know, Natron Means had against Buffalo or tell them about being a major underdog in Denver or tell them about when the lights went out for 10 minutes at the 1996 AFC Championship game, you know, in Foxborough, Massachusetts. It just feels like today's kids would much rather be concerned with, you know, what happened two years ago here when they won three games. Yeah, I would – most of the high, most kids in high school, so seniors right now in high school were born about 04, 05, 06, right in that range. I would be willing to bet that most probably don't know or even care about the Fred Taylor, Maurice Jones, MJD Jags. And that was when they, I mean, Fred Taylor's last year here was 08, I believe so. I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying that. So if they're Gator fans, they don't care about, Tebow winning two titles, they, they Florida care. winning two titles in 06 and 08? They, they know about Tebow. They care about Tebow just because he's on TV. But guys like Percy, um, Joe Hayden, all those guys, they're just, eh. Baffling to me. I wish I, I, wish I could explain. Again, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying I just I don't understand it. There's so much that I'm trying to figure out and have been trying to figure out. There's always been the respect for the founding fathers, those who paved the way for us to be in any particular position, particularly in the world of sports. But it, it just feels, I mean, I, you know, it'd be interesting if you polled the 100-plus players who were in the Super Bowl. You know, just to, in, 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 <laughs> there's a lot of ignorance. There's also a lack of just not caring and you know the greatest example I'll always give you is what Nick Foles did here a few years ago Nick Foles isn't a stupid guy you you can have a conversation with Nick Foles and and you could tell that there's intelligence there but here's what Nick Foles did Nick Foles had one opinion on Jacksonville and that was that they were a perennial playoff team because he looked at that tape right before he went out two weeks later and knocked off New England 
to win the Super Bowl with Doug Peterson. Granted, a couple of years went by, then you brought him here. But when he started spilling to Jaguar fans the trials and tribulations and about being patient, what he was saying was he had no idea that at that time outside of the 2017 season where they went to the AFC Championship game, Jacksonville had been a loser year after year after year after year. It would have been simple fact-checking for him, and he never did it. So that is one of the major reasons why he got treated the way he did, and he'll be remembered that way. Because if he did just a simple little bit of research and knew what was going on with this organization, he never would have told that fan base to go through trials and tribulations because they had gone through them year after year after year. So, it, you know, it does apply in a lot of different directions. Maybe that's the age group where we started to witness things like this, the caring about things that happened previously in life, and, and those who did it no longer mattered. All right, I'm not sure how I got off on that, but it's, um, it, it's, it, it's just a major mystery. Uh, to me, and and I believe it's going to get a lot worse. I don't think it's going to get any better. You know, these these youngsters are going to grow up one day. Well, hopefully, you know, hopefully they all live a, a good life, and then I, I can't imagine what it's going to be like for the next generation. Uh, if you know the attention span and the just the lack of uh, of uh, of understanding uh, to those who are older what's going to actually happen. Anyway, I help them around to see it. We'll see. All right, let's get back to what we are doing. 641-1010, a lot of stuff coming in on the text line if you'd like to join us. That is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Again, 641-1010, as promised, let's get to the situation with Juju here on James Bradbury and the firestorm that happened after. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou. On 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, we're on the eve of Calvin Ridley Day in Duval. He can apply tomorrow for a reinstatement. February 15th. So, you know, everything that we know, there has been zero communication between the Jaguars and Calvin Ridley. By the way, happy birthday to General Bulky. Today is Trent Bulky's birthday. Did a nice job this past year, didn't he? Um, I don't think there's any doubt. And I loved his comment, what, a month ago, right at the end of the season, that um, I guess it hasn't been quite a month, but uh, cash is more important than cap. So some restructured deals coming up. I think one big surprise is coming up. And what I mean by that is last year at this time, I know I didn't believe that Miles Jack was going to get traded. So – I wouldn't be surprised if something large happens, whether it's something that we've talked about, like they don't have enough money to re-sign Juwan Taylor, or there's someone else that they just elect to move away from. Uh, we'll see what ends up happening. But with Calvin Ridley, I hope we at least get you know some language on this tomorrow that he did apply for reinstatement. And I, for the life of me, could not – see a scenario where he would not apply, right? And hopefully he is cleared. Uh, That also means tomorrow that we are exactly one month away from the start of the NFL season 2023. 
That begins on March 15th, and during that time, you'll have that 48-hour window where you are allowed to legally tamper for free agency. You can't sign until, uh, I guess, St. Patrick's Day, right? Okay? You can't, you can't sign till then. So what a week that'll be, man. That'll be first-round tournament. You know, I know they were talking earlier today before I came on about, you know, if you had to give up a month of watching sports, for me, that I wouldn't be able to, to do that. There isn't a weak month for me. A lot of people say this is the weak month. I'm like, are you kidding me? You had the Super Bowl. You've got the Daytona 500 next weekend. You've got pitchers and catchers reporting. If you're a hockey fan like I am, you're absolutely enthralled. You've got college basketball winding down. These games are so important now. You've got about, what, five or six remaining in conference before the conference tournament. Um you know, along with the NBA. I mean, it, to me, February and, – and, you know, I, I love the West Coast golf this time of year. It's it's getting bigger and better every week on, until they, you know, hit our state. Um, coming up, including with the players being here, I want to say the players starts on the 7th of March. But anyway, so tomorrow hopefully we'll have a little bit to do with this with Calvin Ridley and his um, application for reinstatement. All right, well, let's get back to this. I, I've mentioned it enough, and what I really want from you is is whether you like this or not. I mean, this is trash talk to a new level. This is social media. Between the lines, I'm totally for it. I mean, look at the sports that we cover. Look at what happens in hockey every time they blow the whistle. Those eight years I was a Jaguar sideline reporter, let me tell you something right now. No one talked more than Jalen Ramsey. I used to have one earphone or, or one, you know, we, we call it cans in the business with both, uh, you know, earphones cover or uh, covering your, your ear. I would have one flap off when Jalen was on defense because if there was ever a play that was coming over to the sideline, the stuff that he would say was absolutely um, – incredible and he wasn't the only one there is so much talking that goes on that happens right that's the fierce battle it's always been that way and it will always be that way but taking it to social media where do you draw the line now I don't have really a problem with what Juju Smith Schuster said he took advantage of this opportunity And he absolutely crushed James Bradbury. Where it got interesting was after the fact where A.J. Brown calls him out and congratulates him but says the only reason why you're doing anything is because Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback and he saved your career. And it was a massive shot from Brown to Schuster to the point where Pat Mahomes turns around and says, well, that man must just be bored Those are exactly his words. That man must just be bored. And you're like, isn't that above and beyond Mahomes? But on the flip side, is Mahomes doing the right thing because he's supporting his player? He's defending his player. So all of a sudden, I look at this as a smart-ass comment by Juju, which which worked. And I'm going to give him thumbs up on that. A response by A.J. Brown that got personal, okay? Really personal. Said that he had his career saved by Mahomes. Then you put the best player in the NFL 
in a position where he's forced to respond because if he didn't respond, would people be like, well, you know, Mahomes should have had his back. Mahomes should have said this. Mahomes should have said that. I'm sure there are other people talking about this tonight saying Mahomes shouldn't have said anything. Why did he say that A.J. Brown must be bored? Why, why didn't Patrick Mahomes just take the, uh, you know, the, the high road here? So you put the best player in football all of a sudden in a predicament because of this. Others will say, Baloo, it's all nonsense. It'll be gone by the weekend. Maybe that's the case. How do you look at it? Which way are you going with all this? Uh, I usually just shut my mouth when things happen. Like, you know, when everybody wants to trash talk, I just do whatever. But I like it. Uh, AJ Brown, that was pre- that was pretty good what he said, his response. Uh, if you want to eventually get get into it and see what see what he said. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I don't mind it. I mean, you win. I feel you can talk trash a little bit. I mean, if it doesn't get into, you know, your family life, like kids or, or wife or anything like that, I mean, it's fair game. Yeah. I. Uh, it appears I made a mistake last night by stating that regardless of how annoying Brittany Mahomes is, she basically leave her alone. That that's a man's lady. Now here that's a man's wife. Now she did she was she was well behaved this year. Now if you remember the last couple of years, she would always like go to Twitter or whatever and and post a selfie video. It was screaming after they would win a game. She she was well behaved this year. She didn't really do anything. Okay, I'm, I'm not on, that I saw at least. I'm not a huge fo- follower of her. Okay, I'm aware of her. Now I I know that after. The Jaguars victory, I believe it was the Jaguars victory, where she said to uh, Mahomes' dad, go ahead and light that S-bomb up, and she was loud, and she was obnoxious and stuff like that, which I understand is a turnoff uh, for a, a lot of people. So that's that's what annoys people, is that she's she's outspoken, she's boisterous, and again... A lot of the response, just because you don't like the way that she acts, a lot of the response gets incredibly personal. And it's really a shame. I mean, I've seen stuff like, Mahomes, why are you married to her? You can do so much better than her. She looks this way. She looks that way. Does anyone really invite those type of uh, of, of, of personal comments about her so I I guess I'm almost defending her in a way and then I wake up today and you know I read her tweet today and she says this Brittany Mahomes I think a lot of people need to apologize for what they said about this team at the beginning of the season and she's got the emojis of uh you know, folks laughing and whatever. And I'm like, what in the hell is this lady talking about? I picked Kansas City to win the Super Bowl. JJ picked Kansas City to win the Super Bowl. Not last week. We picked them in late August. Now, I had them knocking off the Green Bay Packers, who didn't even make it to the playoffs. JJ had them knocking off the Los Angeles Rams, who didn't even make the playoffs. But they were the odds-on favorite to win it. They're the odds-on favorite to win it right now for next year's Super Bowl. You can't, you can't play that role and say things like that 
and not expect people to respond and hammer you for it. So I went and read her timeline today, and it's just vicious. You know, it's almost to the point where I kind of believe this, Dylan. I think she almost likes the attention that she gets. She knows she's going to get crushed. Yeah. But it's it's almost it's not a drug. But I I don't know what it is. It's it's there's some sort of adrenaline or something that is created in her that she expects to get this type of stuff. And once that goes away, that is when she officially becomes irrelevant. Well, yeah, and I can't, I'm not this type of person, but there are just, you know, certain people in life that just crave attention no matter what they do. And she, you know, has a platform and she knows who her husband is and he's one of the top guys really in all the sports. I mean, you just walk around anywhere and and people know Patrick Mahomes. Like, my mom doesn't really watch sports, but she knows Patrick Mahomes. And... You know, the attention you put out is the most attention you receive. And if you're going to act like a jack wagon, well, you're going to get a lot of jack wagon responses. <laughs> <laughs> uh, negative attention works, ladies and gentlemen. And, you know, his younger brothers, I guess the best word to describe him would be a tool, right? He, he's just all over the place with his TikTok. I haven't heard that word in a while. Yeah, and, and nothing he's ever done has really bothered me outside of, you know, the Sean Taylor that, for those who don't know, in D.C., they, you know, they 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 painted uh, a sideline with his with his jersey number, and they had it roped off, and it was a celebration of of his life. Of course, people remember. If you don't know who Sean Taylor is, if there's anyone young out there listening, uh, he had an unbelievable career at the U. He was a first round pick in Washington D.C., and he was tragically murdered. But he was a phenomenal football player. And, and this guy went and did his little TikTok video or something, you know, right on it. And uh, that upset people. But outside of that, I, I, I really don't have a problem with him. But, but, but he's another one. So th- this all of a sudden has become one of the craziest, like, family stories that, that I can ever think of. No one can say a bad word about Patrick Mahomes. Y- you may even despise Patrick Mahomes. You may not – I mean – We've learned over the years that if you're a great quarterback, sooner or later you're going to fall into a category where either you're loved or you're hated, okay? Now, Brady did a lot of things to create that. Manning did things to create that. We we, we see just, I mean, how much of a whack job is Aaron Rodgers? I mean, what the hell goes on through that man's mind? Some of the things that he's doing. But he's a phenomenal player. And... You either love or you hate. So sooner or later, that's probably going to happen to Patrick Mahomes. But right now, it's like love, love, love. He may be the best human being not named Trevor Lawrence in the NFL, right? Yet his wife is the way that she is, and his brother is the way that he is. Trying to think if there was, if, if, if you know, it's almost like Jimmy Carter, Billy Carter, Okay, I'm I'm really I'm really dating people now. I had a caller, okay. I had a caller call in. He said the word you were looking for that you couldn't find a couple of minutes ago was dopamine. Okay, That's okay. A good one. Look up President Jimmy Carter and All look right. up his brother Billy. All right, maybe that'll give you a a little bit of taste of something. But both of these situations to me are 
are brand new. I, I, I can't ever remember a, a spouse who is disliked as much as Patrick Mahomes' wife. Now, Giselle created some crap when Wes Welker dropped the ball. Um, Kurt Warner's wife, I think, annoyed a lot of people. There have been some examples. But, you know, Brenda Warner, that was before social media. I don't know if Giselle's ever been a social media no, warrior. She you, made that comment after Welker dropped the ball. Right, like, and and she, it wasn't like she had the phone she was recording herself. She was <clears> arguing at somebody else. Yeah. Like, frustrated, and somebody caught it on video. Who I, else? There's a big difference between what she did and what Mahomes' wife Who else was. is out there who who's even in, in the same stratosphere as Brittany Mahomes? I mean, quarterbacks all have beautiful wives. That, know, that's just the fact. It's hard with football because, I mean, most of the time they're in a suite. Like, you, you know, you are far away from the stands. I'm trying to think of basketball. Like, you know, like a Shan Have we Sharp. ever seen Peyton Manning's wife? I have not. Have we ever seen Eli Manning's wife? No. Okay. Now, Rogers dates around. He was with Danica. He was with, what, the owner of the Milwaukee Bucks yeah, daughter. Yeah, he was an actor for a little while. He gets a little of that. Um, Baker's wife. Became famous for those commercials, but I, if she walked in here right now, I wouldn't recognize yeah. her. Mm-hmm. She's really quiet, seems who, like. So who else? I, I mean, we just completed our 57th Super Bowl. Dr- uh, Draymond Green's mom. Okay. Um, NBA okay. Finals. She she got into it on social media. I've, oh, i got to look at this story. It's going to bother me. It had to do something with. It was either last NBA Finals when people were chanting "F.U. Draymond," mm-hmm. or it was uh, the year prior that she didn't like something that was directed toward Draymond, and then her, his mom said something. Steph Curry's wife, Aisha, she got she's been involved in a little bit of stuff. Um, yeah, there was a basketball player. I, I'm trying to remember his name. His wife was overly protective. He was a guard. That that was um, what team? Yeah, I have to look back on that. You know, I, I mean, I, I remember being in Boston when the Celtics beat the Lakers and and Jack Nicholson turned around and shined the moon to everyone in the Boston Garden. And, you know, people went crazy over it. Well, that's Jack, you know, that's Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson can do whatever he wants to do. I just, I'm, I'm trying to remember, in team athletics, has there ever been a spouse who has taken on a life of her own. Now, the Kardashians have dated basketball players, and obviously, but but they're stars who dated them. They, Brittany Mahomes isn't a star. She was never a star. She's become a star because she's married to Patrick Mahomes and because she upsets so many people on social media. I can't even think of anyone that's even remotely close to that. Maybe you can Six four one ten ten. Best way to get a hold of us. Zero seven nine four says believe with Wrigley in the lineup now. Which wide receiver do we let go? I want Wrigley, Kirk, Zay. Say goodbye to Marvin and draft a wide receiver. Hopefully, we can keep Jamal Agnew as well. But that is not for certain. Jamal Agnew is going to be a very difficult decision for this organization to make because he's got a cap figure of five point eight eight one. That's five million eight hundred eighty one thousand uh, dollars. You could cut him. And save four thousand seven hundred and fourteen thousand dollars. So, let me ask you: 
do you pay him five million eight hundred eighty-one thousand and leave it where it's at? Do you cut him and recoup four thousand seven hundred and fourteen thousand? You will have a dead cap figure which, for those of you who do not know, does count against the salary cap, but obviously the man is no longer on your roster, that would represent $1,166,000. So do you pay him that to go away? Or do you perhaps somewhere try to restructure this deal with Jamal Agnew and see if you can get him lined up for a couple of more years? This is the final year of his contract. He is a free agent at the end of the year. Let me see how old he is. He's 28. I love him. Even though he had the fumble, I do. But that's an expensive return, man. Okay? I mean, he is one of the best return, man. He is one of the best return returners we know in, in the NFL. There's no question about that. But you are paying him a huge amount of money. Okay, five, nearly 5.9 million. So my guess is they're going to try to restructure that deal. I think they're going to try to restructure him and they're going to try to restructure Rayshon Jenkins. I don't know if, what they're going to do with Roy Robertson Harris. He was arguably the best lineman in the last eight games of the year. And, you know, the deal with him, 10,133,000. If you cut him, you bring back seven point eight million. You got to pay a dead cap of two point three three million. What do you do there? Rayshon Jenkins, ten point five is his salary this year. If you cut him, you bring back six million five hundred thousand. You still have to pay a four million dollar dead cap figures. I had to just break this. Let me see if any of that changes post. June 1st. Well, yeah. Okay. So if you're going to cut Rayshon Jenkins, even though you got to have everything set under your cap now in 30 days by March 15th, if you could somehow use some wiggle room to salvage this and you would have cut Rayshon Jenkins, if you do it post June 1st, you bring back $8.5 million and only have a dead cap figure of two. And for Roy Robertson Harris, you would bring back seven point eight million. Uh, actually, that's the same for him, two point three three. So same as whether it's pre June first or or post June first. For the record, I think they'll re absolutely restructure Rayshon Jenkins. All right, we got much more to do. If you want to join us, six four one ten ten on the text line. That is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Philadelphia, they lose both their offensive and defensive coordinators. They're gone. Indianapolis and Arizona, respectively, uh, make moves today. Boy, I, I really thought that Jim Ursay was going to be able to convince uh, Chris Ballard uh, to go ahead and and retain uh, Jeff Saturday, but that was not the case. Instead, they go with the offensive coordinator in uh, in Shane Steichen, so he will take over now in Indianapolis. Defensively, it is Jonathan Gannon going out to the desert. So all five jobs are now uh, taken care of 
in the National Football League. That's half the coaches from one year ago, where there were 10. This year, five. And uh, it's amazing because Brian Dayball got coach of the year. Doug Peterson obviously was very well represented. Uh, but, you know, it was a decent year in 2022 uh, for at least those two first-time head coaches. Also today, Georgia loses their offensive coordinator, former friend here in town, Todd Munkin, who was the wide receivers coach. I'll never forget the interview I did with Todd Munkin on um, Justin Blackman. And that was uh, that was a really interesting one because typically when you bring in you know, a position coach. Typically when you do things like that, you're going to get only great stuff, right? Well, this is when the Jags went out and, you know, made the selection for Justin Blackman. And we were doing an interview. I think I was on, I don't know if I was on with Frank at the time or what, but, you know, take us back early because he had been at Oklahoma State for, I want to say he was at Oklahoma State for like, uh, three years, then he left, came here, then he went back to Oklahoma State where he's an offensive coordinator and a quarterback's coach. We were talking about Justin Blackman, and he came out and said, well, this guy will take plays off. This guy, if he if the ball's not going to him, you know, he'll round his routes. He'll do some things. And I, I remember just looking at Frank being like, look at this. Look at Todd Munkin. Not, not playing the company line, being – Kind of truthful, and obviously the whole Blackman situation was was one of the uh, the worst stories to ever occur uh, here in Jacksonville. But Todd Munkin takes over in Baltimore, so Georgia's won back to back national titles. All of a sudden, they need an offensive coordinator. This is proof that that guys like this want to be in the show. They they want to be in the NFL as great as Georgia is. You've won consecutive titles. You know, for Todd Munkin, who does have head coaching experience at, at Southern Mississippi, okay? We know that after his days here in Jacksonville, and he went to Oklahoma State, he went to Southern Miss, he was an offensive coordinator in Tampa Bay and Cleveland. He wants to call plays in Baltimore. You know, I got to imagine with Lamar Jackson. Um, I, I would think for Todd Munkin, trying to become a head coach again is probably his ultimate uh, desire and he's a young guy he's 57 man the guy's been coaching since 1989 and he's 57 years of age so you know he's got time left and I would think that that is what he would want to do but he's elected to go back to uh, the National Football League a couple of other things that happened today the U was busy you know they got Lance Gidry a week ago uh, Lance Gidry did kind of a Manny Diaz. He was at Tulane for like 20 days. Okay, he spent the 2022 season at Marshall. He went to Tulane as a new defensive coordinator that Miami hired him after they lost Kevin Steele, who is now the defensive coordinator at Alabama. Maybe Manny Diaz for like three weeks was a head coach at Temple. And then he was brought back to the university of Miami, uh, Manny Diaz had a nice year as a defensive coordinator at Penn State. And then they brought in Shannon Dawson today, who will call plays. He is the offensive coordinator this past year at Houston. So just some things that have happened around here in the NFL, as well as in college football earlier today. 35-25, Baloo, you can't look at just paying Agnew as a punt returner. He does much more 
He lines up as a wide receiver. He makes big plays. $5 million is cheap for his production. Okay. I'm a huge Jamal Agnew fan. Here's my problem. They don't use him enough. Okay? They don't. You know how many carries Jamal Agnew had this year? 12. He had 12 carries. 86 yards. Okay, average 7.2 per. A lot of those were counters, reverses. Give me more, right? I mean, they pounded hasty uh, at the end of the year. Uh, they gave Snoop a, a little bit of an opportunity. That That's another big one for me. They 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 used a fifth-round pick on Snoop Con. I keep reading where the Jags have to add a running back. And I'm all about adding on the offense. And clearly, they got to solve tight end. And clearly, they got to figure out two positions on that offensive line. But as far as, you know, wasting a high pick on a running back, I'm like, no. Uh-uh. You burnt, you burnt the fifth rounder on Snoop Connor. See what he could do. But Jamal Agnew only had 12 carries last year. Jamal Agnew, and no touchdowns. Jamal Agnew receiving last year. Okay? 23 receptions. 187 yards, 8.1 a reception, three touchdowns. So let's do the math. He played 15 games, did Agnew. That's 23 receptions, and that's 12 carries, 15 games, 35 touches. Uh, I mean, that doesn't add up. That's just over two a game. So I'm not saying you're wrong. But what I am saying is, why not more? Because he was always productive. Whenever Jamal Agnew came into the game, he did have some drops. I think he ended up with four or five drops. And some of them were were costly and obviously had the huge fumble in the playoffs. But I, I, I don't mind your opinion. I think they'll try to restructure that deal. I think they'll try to stretch him out because this is the final year of his contract. I, I think they'd like to get him for two more years after this. I think they'd like him for 23, 24, and 25, probably a way to get out in 25. You know, next year being the big year where you're going to have to pay him a lot of money, where it, it's definitely a deal that, that, um, that sticks for at least two. And that's another side of all this that people may not realize when you look at what Trent Bulky has done. I've had people tell me that Trent Bulky doesn't know how to manage the cap, and I'm like, you are nuts, okay? Trent Bulky has done a wonderful job managing this salary cap since he took over. He has done a fantastic job. What you have to look at whenever you talk about these free agent contracts, forget about the years and the money. Look at the guaranteed money, and then look at the dead cap money, all right? First year, you're going to see what you get out of them, period. It's year two where everything really comes into play, and you got to decide whether or not he is still part of your franchise. If so, you're going to have to restructure that deal, or that is the season that you end up saying goodbye. For instance, you know, last year, the three defensive players who are up, 
Rayshon Jenkins, Roy Robertson-Harris, and uh, Shaq Griffin, if you would have cut those three guys after 2021, and they didn't play well, not one of the three did, it would have cost you over $42 million in dead cap money. This year, combine those three in dead cap money, if you cut them, just flat out cut them, and didn't restructure any of them, would cost you just over $10 million. Okay? If you wanted to cut Christian Kirk this year, which would never happen, obviously, his dead cap money this year for Christian Kirk would be $30,500,000. That's not going to happen. Next year, it becomes $10 million. Cam Robinson this year, if you were to cut him, say you were done with Cam. You just say, let's say they woke up tomorrow and they said, that's it, Little's going to be the left tackle. We're going to re-sign uh, you know, Jawan Taylor. Let's move Cam Robinson. Well, if you cut Cam Robinson right now, your dead cap money's $26 million. If you wait till next year, let's say Cam doesn't have a good year, and you were to cut him in 2024 at this time, you're going from $26 million right now to $5 million next year. Same with Brandon Sheriff. Then I'll hit this break. If you want to cut Brandon Sheriff right now, $23,500,000. Next year, Brandon Sheriff, $5 million. Here's one that very easily could happen. Okay. By the way, those, those could happen. Here's one that definitely could happen, especially if, if you know, one of the biggest storylines for Jacksonville this year is going to be the growth of Trayvon Walker Devin Lloyd and Chad Muma in year two. Before you talk about adding players, that has to happen. Tyson Campbell improved at the end of year one. He improved in year two. If Jacksonville is going to make a statement this year in 2023, Walker, Muma, and Lloyd have to improve. If they don't improve, this team is going to fall short. Foyer Oluwakon, same situation. You want to cut him right now, and why would you? He led the league in tackles. Dead cap money, $22,333,000. Next year at this time, Foyer Oluwakon. Let's see. $4,166,000. Trent Bulky's done an unbelievable job with these contracts. We get too caught up in the years and the total money. Look at the guaranteed money. And understand that for the most part, every single one of these deals is realistically a two-year contract. All right, we got much more to do. We'll take it tonight till 10. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, quick media hit. Greg Olson, according to Andrew Marshawn with the New York Post, he makes $10 million now as the number one analyst on Fox. When Brady comes in, if he falls to number two, his contract also falls to $3 million. Now, again, there's an out in his contract that if he's hired by another network as a number one, he's free to leave. So you look around, Romo's been getting ripped a little bit. Collinsworth's been getting ripped a little bit. Obviously, Buck and Aikman, that, that deal is safe uh, over at Fox. Uh, I think the Romo thing will be salvaged, too. 
that 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 was like one of the biggest pile ups I've I've seen in quite some time. It, it just kind of became like the chic thing to do was to rip Tony Romo. Uh, but we'll see what happens with Greg Olson. Pretty good reviews. Uh, him and Burkhart for the Super Bowl. May, maybe not as fan friendly as if it was Tariko or Nance or you know Herb Street's another one I put on there with with um you know Al. I, I don't think Herb Street taught any NFL fan a thing. Uh, I believe he is a college guy. You know, I was reading as well um, that this year a lot of television media critics as well as fans, they just became completely annoyed with all of the pregame hype. I mean, like it was like enough is enough is enough is enough. I mean, you keep, you know, you keep thinking that, we're finally here. They're finally going to kick the ball, and then it's oh my gosh! Now let's introduce to you Jacksonville's Harold Carmichael. You know, let's introduce to you Will Shield. I mean, they just it. There was always one other thing to do. And and with the NFL, they're the one sport that's always if kickoffs at this time, they kick it off two minutes after mm-hmm. you know the time is posted. It was 6.30, and I look at my phone, I'm like, okay, and it's 6.35, and okay. And I don't even think kickoff happened until, like, 6.45. Yeah. And oh. then the Super Bowl didn't finish until, like, a little after 10 o'clock, and usually it's done by 9.45. And, you know, the, the you had the flyover, um, all women pilots, highly documented, the Pat Tillman tribute, and, again, the mean streets of Twitter went crazy on the NFL and the Army. They're like, Look up how Patrick Tillman died. And I'd kind of forgotten that it was, unfortunately for him, it was it was friendly fire. But they made it seem like he lost his life fighting the enemy. And, and a lot of folks who have defended our country in the military and others were incredibly annoyed that they went out and did this. I, I think we should be a little bit more sensitive. But... I'm just telling you what I was reading earlier today. Just a tremendous amount of complaints. I've never been the commercial guy. Me neither. Okay, because it, and it was great to have a Super Bowl like this where I really didn't care either way, so I was in a bar with some buddies. And when you get to be my age, whenever there's a commercial, you go to the lavatory uh, to recoup. So I never bought into any of the commercials. I've, I've never really done that, but my understanding is that they were average to below average. Yeah, usually... I mean, I watch the commercials just because, like, the party I'm with. Usually there's, like, four or five that are, like, pretty good. There wasn't even the the peanuts, the, the honey-roasted peanuts was the only one that was no. okay. They had mm-hmm. Jim Ross and a couple other people, but, I mean, that was, that was eh. Jim Ross who lives here in town? Uh, No, not Jim Ross. Jeff Ross. Jeff Joe! Ross. The, 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 the roaster. <laughs> big fan. Yeah. Big fan of Jeff Ross, especially when he dons. Like different wigs. Speaking of Don and wigs, you said Mark Davis is now bald, the owner of the Las yeah. Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, no, no, no more bowl cut. Yeah, I always thought that was like kind of, kind of ruggish. I wonder if that was real. You know, the more you, the more I think about it, the more I don't think it's real. Mm, I don't know. Seventy four twenty nine. Rick, do you think it would be uh, good to grab a guy like Devon, uh, a Kane from Texas A&M, a Tank Biggs, uh, Bigsby from Auburn in the third round. I think ETN needs a number two. I don't think it's 
hasty. You, you know what? Here's where I stand. You used a first round on ETN. You used a fifth on Snoop. I would try to salvage this. Maybe hit hard on drafted free agents. Maybe try to get someone off the street like they did yesterday. You know, they made an acquisition yesterday. Uh, Allison was his name. Let me see if I can, if I still have that. Uh, here we go right here. Uh, nope, those are the 14 not named Allison. Uh, they got a guy who was on the practice squad last year with the Dallas Cowboys, and they actually brought him up uh, for three games. Uh, but they added a back yesterday. I I don't want to use a draft pick. I mean, look, right now you look at the Jaguars. They have a first, a second, a third, two fourths, a fifth, and two sixes. I don't want to use pick 88 in a running back. Come on. Caudry Allison? Yes, that is it. Thank you. They brought him in yesterday. I I don't I understand your thinking, but I don't want to burn a high draft pick for a running back. I think you can find running backs. I do. Uh, I'd rather have him have a, get a wide receiver because everything I just talked about with contracts, after year two, things can change for Christian Kirk. Things can change for you know, for, for Zach as well. And you got to get Calvin Ridley signed to a long-term contract extension. So, you know, that is going to be an interest. Not Zach, but Zay Jones. You just, you never know. This is a week-to-week uh, league. Um, Baloo, you know, I'm trying to figure out if I heard you right. Did you just even mention that uh, with your lips that they should cut uh, a Luacon? Um, what in the world would ever say that if that's what you said? You're not going to cut anybody. You're not going to cut Walker. You're not going to cut Allen. You're not going to cut Muma. You're not going to cut Lloyd. Are you serious? And he's came out of college, and they got BS by a referee call that should have been the winning the Super Bowl. So what in the world are you talking about? Or are you just trying to get people like me pissed off, which is BS? <laughs> I tell you what, you need to listen more intently. I was making a point about how every single one of these contracts is a two-year contract for free agents. Regardless of the years and the money, they can go after two years. And the point I was making was Kirk, Robinson, Sheriff, and Aluicon. If any one of the two or four has a miserable season, to cut those type of players this year, you can't do it. It's well north of 20-plus million. In the case of Aluicon, if you were to cut him this year, which I've said many times would never happen, it's going to cost the organization $22,333,000. What if he's injured and he can't play anymore, and all of a sudden Muma and Lloyd are playing well, and if you decide to do that next year, it only costs you $4 million. 166,000. So was I saying cut these guys? No. What I was doing was explaining to you how these contracts work, how you're locked in for at least two years. But when you get to year three, you can move along. Like they're going to move along from Shaq Griffin. You couldn't have moved along from him this year. You had to wait till his second year was complete before you made that move. So what I'm doing is talking about two-year contracts. Uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if I want to do that at this point in the night. Uh, 
Off topic, do you have an opinion on whether the 49ers should sign a free agent quarterback or stick with Purdy? Um, Well, Garoppolo's on the move. We know that. Today, you know, Derek Carr was cut. I I think you got to give Brock Purdy an opportunity. The problem is, is with that surgery, man, he's out six to eight months. You know, so I, between him and, and Lance, who's, you know, still under the rookie contract, that would be the direction I was going. They're so close, though. That that's why I am I am very surprised that Tom Brady retired. I I thought Tom Brady going to NoCal, going back to where he was born, in that part of the state, in my opinion, made perfect sense. And maybe there's a situation where he does come back at some point. But you know, let me look at their cap figure right now. 227, um, they actually have $8 million in cap, and I don't even see Garoppolo on here. Is it? Is he already been completely removed? I don't think he They has. haven't traded him yet. Why do, Why am I not seeing him? I'm on uh, overthecap.com. Where are you at, Jimmy Garoppolo? That's interesting how I guess they've already figured him into – going somewhere because, you know, last week Shanahan did say that he's not part of the plan. He is a free agent. So he signed a one-year deal with the Niners ahead of before the season started last year. Okay. Uh, so he is, in fact, gone. So they're in pretty good shape. They're $8 bucks right now, and they got a couple of difficult decisions to make. Uh, but they're going to have to pay guys, man. I mean, they just paid Christian McCaffrey. Uh, McCaffrey, excuse me. Uh, they gave Trent Williams that that – that record contract. You got George Kittle, who's coming up. Bosa. I, this is the final year of the rookie deal for Nick Bosa. Uh, you're going to have to pay him. So, yeah, they, they have a lot of issues. To answer your question, I, I think they go into it with, with Brock Purdy and Trey Lance. If you had to guess, how many quarterbacks do you think that will be a, a shocking move that leave one team and go to another this offseason? You know what? I'm actually going to do this either tomorrow night or Thursday night. There you go. I think okay. you could have as many as 21 different quarterbacks, meaning that only Trevor Lawrence and 10 other quarterbacks in the league are the same starters who were starters very late this season. Yeah, and I'll, I won't kind of ruin your – with your segment, but a lot of these teams have young GMs, and these young GMs are very aggressive, and they're not afraid to make moves. And yeah. you know, a lot of the old GMs they they were very conservative. Uh, that's not how these a lot of these GMs function now. So. Yeah, I I think it's eleven, and and I I worded that incorrectly. I should say guys like I think Matt Stafford who went out with an injury. I'm going to include him in in that eleven in LA. I there's no way Lamar Jackson is getting out of Baltimore. Worst case scenario, they're going to franchise tag him. So I think he is going to remain uh, there, even though he was injured late in the season. And, you know, to me, the Giants is very interesting. I'm kind of on the impression right now that they're going to re-sign Daniel Jones. Um, look at the contracts that are up, that, that, could, that aren't officially up, because you can pick up the fifth-year option. Which Joe Burrow gonna get? Which Justin Herbert gonna get? Which Justin Hurts gonna? Uh, w- w- what's um Jalen Hurts gonna get? W- what about two? I mean, 
how nervous would you be right now to pay Tua after the concussions? What what if he doesn't show? What if he's a wall? If he wants his, if he sees those other quarterbacks get mammoth deals, and then he's like, "What about mine?" And you're like, "Yeah, we love you too. We, we think you're the best." But in the back of your mind, you're saying, "We can't pay this guy what what he wants. He's one hit away from never playing again." Boy, that's a difficult position to be in. All right, final thoughts coming up. We'll take you till 10 tonight. Hacker will join you then. My name is Rick Ballou with you from 6 to 8, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday nights. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, tomorrow night, big night in college basketball for bubble teams. Kind of a crazy year. A lot of top 25 teams in action right now, including fifth-ranked Kansas. Down in Stilly right now by a point, 34-31. Kansas State took total advantage of the transfer portal this year. We talk about it all the time in football, but uh, two starters, and from out of the ruins, they have come. Uh, 19-6 and six on the year right now, tied with Oklahoma. The Sooners having a down year. Uh, Creighton at Providence and Syracuse a little, a little bit earlier tonight knocked off 23rd-ranked North Carolina State. So that's all you had tonight for top 25 games. Uh, but coming up tomorrow night, Florida now, you know, all of a sudden the Gators uh, in a situation will have the game for you. Be on at 630. Mississippi's terrible. Uh, Florida's a 9.5-point home favorite. I was looking at this the other day. I think Old Miss has lost like six of their last seven. Let me look it up real quick here. Yes, Mississippi has lost one, two, three, four, five, six of their last seven. They did play with some of these teams, however. They lost to South Carolina 64-61. They lost at Vanderbilt 74-71 all in the last week. So they've been playing competitive basketball, but they're 10 and 15, 2 and 10 in the league. This is a must for Florida with six remaining. Uh, the Gators now, after that huge victory over Tennessee, they're leaking. Yeah, been a bunch of duds. Yep, 13-12. and 12. I mean, they need to win these games. It, it, Kentucky at home is going to be a battle. At Vanderbilt, I think, is going to be a battle. But, you know, at Georgia is always a great rivalry. But you know, they, they need to win tomorrow night. They need to win the, the season ender against LSU. Arkansas is a middle-of-the-road team. With six games remaining, I think they got to win probably four, four of the six. You know, if you, if you, if you go four and two, you're 10-8 and eight in conference, and you're 17-14 and 14 Overall, you're probably going to have to win one or two conference champ, you know, conference tournament games. And some of this, so much of this depends on how other bubble teams do. But right now, for uh, Florida tomorrow, they got to stop the bleeding. I mean, they knocked off Tennessee, was ranked second in America, and then they've, you know, they've lost to Kentucky. They lost at number three Alabama. Really got rolled there, and then. Uh, you know, you were a what a nine nine and a half point favorite uh, Saturday against Vanderbilt, and uh, that did not work out well 
for Florida. So that's all part of what's coming up tomorrow night as well. I'm going to be able to sneak home, watch the third period of the Boston Bruins. They can't score. 2-1 Dallas right now. We've got 10 minutes to go in period number two. The Lightning in action tonight as well. They're facing the defending Stanley Cup champion, Colorado Avalanche. How about the flying Jessica Blaylocks? They're down 3-1 right now in St. Louis. They've played 2 there. Folks, tomorrow night, 6 to 8. Thursday night, Friday night, 6 to 8. I no longer check the text line. If you want to get a hold of me, please get me on Twitter. That is Baloo1010XL. Dylan, thank you so much. Have fun with Hacker, who is coming up right now. My name's Rick Baloo. We'll talk tomorrow night at 6.